On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, Eagles fans, to another edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. It's Locked On Eagles, as always, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We thank you for making Locked On Eagles your first listen each and every day. It's episode number five this week of five. Downloaded into your phone every single week, 365 days a year, no matter what podcast app you use. We're also available in video form as well on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribing to YouTube because we have some exclusive video content. Now we do mock draft Mondays on Monday, Gino, and uh, the visuals are cool now too, because you'll be able to see us kind of go through and look at the rankings, you know, look at our thought process of what we're doing. And uh, we're always available on Twitter as well at Lockdown Birds, at GC24 underscore football, and at DBLCLOE. On this fifth edition of LOE this week, we're going to get into stay or go free agent edition, but Gino, it's going to be in-house free agents for the Eagles. And a lot of these players, just so you know, it's going to be mostly defensive players because, as we've talked about a few times this week, the Eagles have spent most of their long-term contracts, the big spenders, the draft picks, those four- to five-year contracts. Most of those are going to the offense. Derek Barnett was the last first-round pick on defense in 2017. So more of the Band-Aid signings, the guys that have been acquired through free agency are on the defensive side. And a lot of those guys are up for deals this offseason. They just put out the listing, and I think it was yeah. uh, Ruben Frank that did this, of players still on the roster from that Super Bowl team. Oh, that was sad to read, man. That was It uh, was sad. <laughs> it was very sad. I can't it believe it's depressing. already been four years, but I'm like, damn, that is that's not a lot. It's a shame that the NFL works like that, but I think if you've listened to us over the past couple of years on this show, especially with the wave of how free agent signings have worked, the yeah. NFL is a three-year league. You have your three-year window, and you could see it from the free from the guys they still have on the roster four years later. It's just a handful of guys. They turn over these rosters And the theme very is to linemen, Gino. I mean, the guys that are staying mm-hmm. long-term, most of the time they're going to be linemen and quarterbacks. Exactly. And skill position players, linebackers, safeties, corners, unless you're one of the best of the best, the team is constantly moving and you have to keep your place. Fletcher Cox said it the best in one of the audible clips that Philadelphia Eagles uh, YouTube put out this season. You're just renting a chair. You're one of 53 guys and one of 90 on the 90-man roster that is renting a chair in that NovaCare complex. And it all begins in free agency, Lou. Once you bring a free agent in, it likely means somebody else is on their way out. If you sign a free agent from another team, it likely means that you didn't sign a free agent that was pending on your team. So mm-hmm. it's just a constant ebb and flow. And you have to have the guys in the front office and that pro personnel department that are able to constantly evaluate other teams and evaluate street free agents, which if you look at the history of what the Eagles have done, they've had a pretty good success rate of free agents and street signings over the past five seasons, Lou. I mean, some of the guys that have come in and played major roles, you look at the Craven LeBlancs of the world, you look at, I mean, even Anthony Harris of this season, you could just go down the list. Even the Band-Aid signings are guys that have come in and made an impact or the trades that they've made in Jay Ajayi's or the bigger free agent names in Javon Yeah, in 2017, they did nail out of yeah. the park. I will say, though, um, sometimes on the defensive side of the ball, how he has struggled the last few years, you know, you look at... Rightfully so. You know, 
Anderson Deho and you know and it's not like big name free agent signings like the the big names Javon Hargrave Darius Slay nailed those it's been the the moves that at the positions that he hasn't invested real resources in right linebacker and safety you know that third safety or you know any linebacker Jatavis Brown retires uh what was it Corey Nelson that also got cut you know he was supposed to be you know LJ Fort was a great signing but it was Mm -hmm. because he played great in Baltimore and they cut him so yeah I think on defense is where most of these guys are coming from and when you look at this free agent class this year it's kind of the same thing you mentioned Anthony Harris is a free agent this year so too is Steven Nelson and Ryan Kerrigan and most of the one year you know Band-Aid, as you mentioned, signing. So what we're going to get into today is should they stay or should they go? We're obviously going to preview for agency two outside of the organization. What big name players do they need to bring in? Maybe at wide receiver two, maybe at safety and edge rusher this year. But we're first going to take care of in-house. And I want to stick with that theme on defense, the Band-Aid signings. You know, let's start with some of those one-year guys. And I want to start with, I think, the the weak link in the secondary. And this was Steven Nelson at corner. I don't think, considering the hole the Eagles looked like they were in at CB2 coming out of the draft, right? It reminded me a lot of running back after 2017 when they missed out on Delvin Cook, when they missed out on Christian McCaffrey. They couldn't really get a guy. They settled for Janelle Pumphrey in the fourth round. When they realized how bad of a move that was, they brought in LeGarrette Blunt in June. They nailed that signing. Corey, uh, I should say Steven Nelson was kind of a similar move in the summer. And while he wasn't Bradley Fletcher bad or he wasn't, you know, Byron Maxwell or Nolan Carroll, Kerry Williams, I think he did okay for the spot they were in. At the same time, when they did ask him to play man coverage, when Darius Slay did not shadow, he you could you could instantly tell he was the spot they needed to upgrade. And that's the exact quote that you should look at. Is he at a spot that you can look to upgrade? I think how you said that was perfect because he, like you said, wasn't Bradley Fletcher bad. He wasn't Kerry Williams bad, but he's not up to snuff of what you need to defend Amari Cooper, Sedarian Lamb, Michael Gallup, all of these guys that when you're playing in your own division and they're three deep at that playmaker position, if you're second guy up, isn't as good or nearly anywhere as good as your other right. two guys, it's going to be clear. And your other guys in the slot, you know, so like, you know, mm-hmm. your, your second best guy is not going to be able to cover those players because he's inside. And, and I do wonder how much of him holding his own this year was more on the scheme because they really were trying to put these corners in spots where they didn't get killed. That was really the theme of Gannon's defense. So how much of it, even really that positive view, how much of it was really even on Nelson's performance? Yeah, he did have the big play uh, against Carolina that he ended the game. But outside of that, you see a lot of the big chunk yardage plays. It wasn't just Mm -hmm. in man coverage, even even in zone. There's times that he's just covering grass. And when he comes down to tackle, he just didn't really seem like he wanted to invite contact. A lot of the things that I yelled at Eric Wilson about earlier in the year when he was released Thank in God that we don't have to talk about him. Oh, my gosh. Thank goodness, right? But in the second level of what Jonathan Gannon likes to do, Lou, with these guys getting upfield, only playing really a gap and a half on the defensive line, on the back end, you got to be able to tackle one-on-one. It doesn't matter what position you are in the defensive secondary, linebacker, safety, corner, Darius Slay can tackle. Avante Maddox can tackle. You know who couldn't tackle? Steven Nelson. So he was a liability, not just in coverage, but also once things got into the open field as well. So you have to have guys that if they are met in space by a big bodied wide receiver, that number two position 
those guys are pretty big. I mean, look at what you would have had to face in Tampa Bay if Chris Godwin was healthy. You're yeah. facing two guys that are 6'3 and 6'5. got to have somebody on that island that's at least six foot, mm-hmm. has the length, and can tackle because right now that's what God- Gannon wants to do. And as long as he's here and as long as Avante and Darius Slay can play as well as they are in man coverage, they're not going to let them sit back in zone and be beaten like they were earlier in the year. They need somebody yeah. that can complement them opposite. Darius Slate and Avante Maddox. I, I definitely agree. And, you know, this is the NFL now in 2022 where teams have, as you mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, they're three deep at times. I mean, you look at some of the teams in the four final four five. right now. I mean, I know. yeah, so you can't just have one good guy. And even Avante Maddox is great that you have two really good corners right now. But And a lot of star receivers do play inside. But, you know, when a guy is really cemented as a slot corner and doesn't really change inside and out, you do need that solid outside CB2. And uh, I think the verdict for both of us would be to move on and get younger at that spot and get more talented opposite Darius Slay. I really think of those four picks they have in the first two rounds, they do need to invest one of those picks in a corner because although Slay is under contract for a while, coming off the best year maybe he's had in his career, Avante Maddox has a contract extension. Gino, you do need to add another you know, significant young resource at this spot. You did draft Zach McPherson last year. You've traded sure, for the likes of Jay Gowan. Yeah. You've added bodies, right? But now you have a chance to invest a, pre- a premier pick yeah. into a premier position. And you couldn't do class. it last year because you missed out on Sertain and Horn, and so you took the receiver. Uh, hopefully this year you get like a sauce gardener that can fall to you. Daniel Jeremiah had him in what the top six of his last year. Yeah. So I'm not too sure how but we took stuck. um the uh McCreary, the Auburn kid. I mean, there's that's what I'm saying. A, there's some it's players. A, it's a premier position in this class. And yeah. you talk about the, the big class. classes that we've looked back in the last couple of years. I mean, you look at that running back class of 2017, you look at mm-hmm. the 2018 wide receiver class. These big time groups, you have to walk away from getting a big time guy out of that group. And I think that's exactly what they're going to try to look at in terms of cornerback. If they could look on terms of the defensive line at the edge position, you could probably bet your bottom dollar on that as well. And same thing with linebacker. If they could get one of those top three guys, I think they would make that type of pick. So yeah, like you said, if Sauce Gardner does fall or Andrew Booth or Kyer Elam or any of these big name uh, cornerbacks are there, that's an instant upgrade over a Steven Nelson. And yeah, he might get banged and bruised a couple times in the season, get beat on a double move here or there, but you're also upgrading your talent for one to two years down the road when maybe Darius Slay isn't even an option for you. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And, you know, even though it's a CB2 and to be your third best corner, it is more valuable of a spot than, you know, Howie Roseman doesn't really value investing a lot of resources at safety and linebacker. And I have to put my money, although we want him to take a safety or linebacker early this year, if I had to put my money on one of those three spots he takes with one of those four picks, I would say it's probably corner over safety and linebacker. Uh, Gino, one more before we take a break. Defensive end Ryan Kerrigan. I think it's pretty safe to say move on from Kerrigan. Me and you really like the signing in the offseason. Kerrigan was an eagle killer. He gave Lane Johnson more fits than most back when he was with Washington. 
But outside of randomly having a great playoff game against Tampa Bay, he was, I mean, it was awful. Like it, And this is the first time that they've kind of missed on a veteran defensive end signing in a while. I mean, they killed it with Chris Long and Michael Bennett and bringing Vinny Curry back. I thought he was serviceable. Kerrigan was the first player that just, I mean, couldn't do anything when he was out there. And he had a good amount of snaps and it was, it was brutal. I think he, I think he had like the worst numbers when it comes to a defensive end with a certain amount of stats. I can't remember the, the specific statistic, but it was pretty bad. So I think the verdict would be to move on. I mean, he didn't have a tackle until almost week. That, yeah, I mean, so. that's, that's bad. <laughs> if you're a speed rusher and a guy who needs to be able to like get off the line and you mm-hmm. can't do that and you can't win on the edge, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. He did He's not, not age well. Be back. No, and in this class, Lou, you're better off just grabbing a guy in the second or third round or even yeah. the fourth and letting him get snaps and take away what you would put into Ryan Kerrigan. Same with Teron Jackson this year as well. Like, Give yeah. snaps to those young guys who have athleticism, have speed, have a dynamic ability off the line, which Ryan Kerrigan really never presented for this team. We'll talk about edge rusher again coming up next. Uh, Derek Barnett is up for free agency, so we'll get into his fate next right here on Locked on Eagles. And guys, today's show is sponsored by GetUpside. It's an incredible app that everybody who buys gas needs to know about. Our listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Gas prices right now are brutal. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Once again, download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get $0.25 per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. And you know what you could do with that money that you get from GetUpside? You could put it right into your e-wallet, put it right into your betonline.ag account. And there might be less football. It's only three games remaining in this season, which is crazy to say out loud. But you can always bet on props when it comes to coaches getting fired, when it comes to a coach getting a new location. Who can be the number one draft pick as we're talking about that right now? Who will be the next team for some of the big free agents? You could do all that and more and start betting on the 2022 NFL season at betonline.ag. Using that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you'll get 50% towards your initial deposit it will be a 50 percent welcome bonus that will be added directly to your account where you can bet on basketball hockey ufc literally any sport that you want i say it all the time but every single sport is on there you could go down the list click sports and see cricket across the pond that you didn't even know you could bet on or women's tennis or men's tennis or whatever sport you want to bet on it is there make sure you go to bet online where the game begins All right, Eagles fans, we're back on this Saturday edition of Locked on Eagles, your fifth episode of the week. Make sure you download and subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast platforms for five shows a week. We are your only daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, and we thank you for making Locked on Eagles your first listen each and every day. Me and Gino are getting into Stay or Go free agent edition, and it's the in-house free agents for the birds. So we said go for Steven Nelson, the cornerback that they signed last summer, and Ryan Kerrigan who used to be an eagle killer, but this year, I mean, kind of still was an eagle killer based on just not being able to do anything for the birds as a rotational edge rusher. 
And Gino, sticking on edge rushers, the biggest name is the player that they last invested a real draft pick on defense in. It's Derek Barnett, the first round pick in 2017. And when it comes to stay or go, I mean, I wish it was a tougher call, but I don't really think it is. I mean, Barnett in five years, looking back, I mean, he was okay. You know, he was good at times, but he was never great. You know, he'd get you five sacks a year pretty much, but don't ask him for much more. And the issue was, though, that's not really worth, you know, four to six sacks a year for the liability he was when it comes to penalties. You know, you saw Nick Sirianni early in the year say it's always him. And a theme of Eagles Twitter this year, every time you saw a flag and you knew it was in the backfield, you saw the ref behind the quarterback throw it, you're like, it's Derek Barnett. And it normally was. I mean, you were pretty much right all the time. And this year, the penalties were consistent, but he didn't even get to that five-sack floor you're normally used to. So I feel like it's pretty obvious with, as you said, a deep draft class this year. When you got Josh, uh, Josh Sweat coming off a seven-and-a-half-sack season, you got Brandon Graham coming back, you got Teron Jackson in year two. I think it's pretty obvious that you let Barnett walk and you move on here. Another one of those like almost Nelson Aguilar type of deals where it's like, yeah. why did you ever pick up the fifth year option? But at least Nelly gave you like place? one great year. I mean, Barnett didn't really even give you that, which is yeah. You look back to his rookie season, like the big plays he made, like a lot of them came off of yeah, even the one on one with a tight, tight end twos. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and he is a player that like if you want, and for those on YouTube, I'm holding my hand flat for our listeners. I'm holding it perfectly horizontal. If you wanted somebody that progressed horizontally you don't take that at the edge position like you take that at like interior offensive sure. line where yeah. you can have a consistent player if right. you're going to take a top 15 guy on a consistent player that is yeah. just going to be have his floor be the same and his floor kind of dropped out a little bit this year at least with Brandon Graham it was kind of he was I would say a victim of circumstance being in a, a an offense or a defense that didn't really suit him at first. Then they go to a three, four, and then he kind of explodes. Derek Barnett has always been in that role that suited him best. And yeah. his best asset is playing the run, which for their defensive ends, yeah, you kind of have to do a little bit, but they want you to be able to do what Josh Sweat is doing. If he's a fourth close. round pick, I mean, if you yeah. switch where him and Sweat got drafted, I would say that's a fine pick and you got four or five really good years out of that player. But as you mentioned, if you're a top 15 pick on the edge, you got to be a, an impact player. And I think they were kind of, you know, Barnett even coming in, we all knew he didn't have the length and the speed off the edge. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the upside physically of a Josh Sweat. But I think the Brandon Graham move and how much that paid off made the Eagles think, you know, we'll bank on that production again. We'll bank on the intangibles, if you will. And uh, it got you to a certain floor, like you said, but he did not meet the value of that draft pick. You're right with saying that if they flipped, like Joshua is yeah. exactly what you would want with a guy yeah. who you invest a top 15 pick in. Yeah. Somebody that starts low and just continues to rise up. And Derek Barnett's what you would want out of a fourth round pick. Somebody that's Which is why it's disappointing. It, yeah. it is disappointing. He'll give you consistent play. Looking back on that edge class, absolutely dreadful. I mean, after that, it was like Tack McKinley. And Got just bad. A, yeah, a, so I guess they did okay if they were going to take terrible. an edge, you know. Won him a Super Bowl in the end. I mean, they could have. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> it wasn't like a horrible. It's like the Nelson Aguilar pick too. Like, was it a bust considering the value right. they placed on the pick and what he was supposed to be? Yes. Was it Danny Watkins or Marcus Smith bad? No. no. I mean, he was your de two or three for five years, and that's again not what you want out of that pick. 
but and that's what we're talking about here is like the value placed on it. When like that's why a, the discussion of if a player is a bust is very there's a lot of context you got to add to it. But I think it, you know Gino he didn't take the step up they wanted him to, and he's not worth another contract. I think when you look at those top fifteen picks, right, yeah. and especially at that position, you want to say did he meet what we expected? Right. And did he surpass that? Yes. Because I think if you even have to question if he surpassed it, like you yeah. know that he surpassed it, you're going to give him a contract extension, right? Yeah. But then you're in the situation where did he underperform? Yeah. Did he even meet the par of what we thought? And that's where you're sitting now. And you have if you have to question that, that that's your decision. For if you him. can replace his production pretty easily, he's not worth that next contract. And exactly. I feel like his production, you can replace pretty easy, Gino. And do it in a multitude of different ways. Like throw yeah. Milton Williams on the inside. He'll get you two and a half to three sacks. And then yeah. throw somebody else on the edge that could get you two and a half to three. Yeah. Oh, you already met Derek Barnett's production. Yeah, you already matched it. And you're not going to get the quarter of the cost. And you're not going to get him taking a cheap shot at the quarterback every other play. I mean, that's just the thing. He wasn't He wasn't worth it. And uh, so I, I think we both agree. Move on from Derek Barnett. And this Here's draft a class, Lou. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. No, go this ahead. draft class. Yeah, it's you're good. gonna get a guy in the the third day, and they're going to take. Oh yeah, I agree. And, and you know they're probably take make one. an impact as much as Derek. Yeah, did last it's a good year. class. Uh, here's an interesting one: uh, Anthony Harris at safety. So safety is interesting this year. I think they're you know assuming they invest like one significant resource at that position. I don't know if it's going to be a high pick with one of those four four selections, or if it's you know there's some good free agents. I would love Marcus Williams, the New Orleans Saints safety. That's a free agent. There's some good players on the open market as well. Assuming that they invest just like one premier asset in that spot they're going to have an interesting call with who they want that second primary player to be at safety because Anthony Harris is up for a new contract, as is Rodney McLeod. So we're going to talk about McLeod and Harris here. You have Marcus Epps, who is probably the most efficient player of the three. You know, Gino, when it comes to those three, like if you had to choose one, you want to be that primary guy next to that other new player you bring in, who would you be leaning towards? I mean, are we having the same conversation we had two years ago when we were deciding between Malcolm Jenkins and and uh, Rodney At a McLeod? much lower level. Yeah. A much lower scale, yeah. but realistically, we were saying, okay, who's going to go out? Who's going to be the young safety that they're going to bring in next to yeah. them? And here we are. Unfortunately, that Time year they didn't do circle. any of that. They just kept you know, bringing in the status quo. That year, or the year after that, or the year after that, and here we are now in 2021 answering the same question. I would like to know... As well as everybody else, Lou, what are they going to do? I personally am taking that money that you could pay Rodney, that you could play Anthony Harris, and I'm paying Marcus Williams. I'm paying one of those premier type of safeties that fit what they want to do. They're going to open things up on the back end for them. They're not going to be these true box style guys. If you can get a guy like that, that plays a true free safety role for this team, which I really think they want, especially with their ability to play man. And then you open up for this strong safety to play a robber type of role where he's sitting in those intermediate areas and taking away those looks from top tight ends and top second and slot wide receivers. I would love that. But where's it going to come from? Right now, I have no idea. And realistically, do you keep an aging Rodney McLeod? I don't know. I'd probably pay Anthony Harris. Not pay him much, but 
I mean, if you're going to look at what Rodney McLeod is now coming off of, he did have a good season coming back off of that injury, but he did just tear his ACL last year. He came back this year, played okay. You could see that he still wasn't 100% when it came to his speed because he used to be able to fly all over. I still remember before the Eagles signed him that one clip that he had where he comes from the middle of the field across to the sideline. He just absolutely buries the wide receiver, and it was viral for years. And that's what they need again. Because they they can't fit those back third areas to the sideline from the middle of the field. They don't have a guy that can They need an impact player at both spots. You know, you're talking about that strong safety that plays in the box and plays that Swiss Army knife role in the roamer Mm -hmm. in the backfield that can cover sideline to sideline. They need both. And again, I don't know if they're going to invest two resources in those spots this offseason. Maybe they want to do that, you know, instead of uh, investing a real pick in a strong safety, they go for a a Devin Lloyd or more of the linebacker role, you know, Mm -hmm. where that's where they find that, you know, versatile player. And as you're saying, they bring in more of that, you know, safety that plays deep through free agency or a high draft pick. Um, When it comes to these like three guys, I feel like, and I put this up to a poll, like if you had to choose one of the three 2021 safeties to be that second guy, who do you go with? Uh, McLeod won the vote at 47%. Marcus Epps at 42%. Anthony Harris only at 11 Wow. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, Is I Epps feel a like, free agent? Uh, it's a good question. I, I they think got him in be 2019. Like a, he might be a restricted free agent because of the whole – Waiver so he had the four-year rookie deal with Minnesota, and that was in uh, – he's a free agent next year. So Marcus okay, so is under contract. So maybe they let both McLeod and Harris walk. Harris, look, he wasn't close to the 2019 version. That was PFF's highest-graded safety. But, I mean, he did make some nice tackles. Again, you know, it's hard to evaluate because – they didn't, I mean, safety in this defense, it's like you, you cover one half of the field, the other guy covers the other, and there wasn't as much to do like there was with Jim Schwartz's defense. I would maybe lean on McLeod just based on you'd probably get him for dirt cheap, and he did have a really hot end of the year, you know, just based on that. But they got to, no matter what, bring in another player. I mean, the focus should not be on any of these guys. It's They have to do something. They can't just – do the status quo band-aid signing again. They got to they got to invest something real here. Like do you put a period or a question mark at the end of a sentence when you're done with it when yeah. you know that you have your guy. And again, you don't you put a question fix, mark yeah. there at the end, which and they you, have and three you know, of you them. You can't fix everything in one off season, but safety for a long time now. I mean Jenkins and McLeod were they were the guys, but mm-hmm. Jenkins is gone and McLeod even if you bring him back is as you mentioned is not what he once was. So uh, you got you got to bring in at least one player here. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do at safety for sure. It'll be a fascinating watch. Um, when it comes to the second and third level still of the defense, Gino, Jannard Avery is a free agent as well. I thought for the first time this year, he finally fit in on what the Eagles were trying to do on defense. The only thing is with Avery and the role he played, like I thought, you know, blitzing, he looked really explosive, you know, running through that A and B gap, even on the edge. I thought he looked good at times. I thought he moved well in space, but Again, it's like when it comes to that role on defense of who I want to have, I would just much rather have a a do-it-all player that can just thrive more in coverage. And Avery, they didn't really ask him to do that a lot, but that role, I just rather have a more versatile player. When you look at that Sam slash Jack style linebacker role that is almost an edge rusher, you look at the top of the top, which is TJ Watt. The guy can do everything. He can cover, he can get to the passer, he can come inside if you need him to at times. Jannard Avery 
is okay at all of those things. Yeah. He's not going to blow the doors off. He's a he's a serviceable player, and yeah. he's another guy we talk about, a victim of circumstance with the scheme. He's now going into a third year. Maybe he gets another defensive coordinator that isn't Jonathan Gannon either, but you just need a better athlete there. You need somebody yeah. that can run better, somebody that can drop into coverage against running backs because when you saw him out in the flat – you knew he was getting beat one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You cannot have the liability at that position like you had in Jannard Avery. Would it be nice to get him for cheap if you could bring him back as like a rotational sure. type rusher? For sure. But they need a top athlete to play that role that they want to. Somebody that's going to drop, somebody that's yeah. going to come to the quarterback, somebody that's going to really rove off of that edge position. Jannard Avery has shorter arms. He's got a shorter build. He really can't drop into coverage. He's a little bit stiff. But he does have explosion when getting to the quarterback, which is yeah. an asset in this league. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, I think the consistent theme we're talking about here is just like they could do better at every spot. It's mm-hmm. like you just keep telling there they were filling thing holes in with scotch tape and it, it was holding for a bit. But you just every single time you're like, I could do better than this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, you're not going to fill every single one of these roles with a star player. You're going to have some role players that you're not investing significant assets in. Um, but for a long time, these are the same positions they've been trying to get by with these kind of players. And they do, they need to do something about it this year when they have flexibility in the draft and in free agency with, you know, cap space and draft picks. We'll continue to move forward here, Gino, and take a focus on the offensive free agents. There aren't as many, but there are a few key players we'll keep an eye on. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Eagles. And guys, today's show is sponsored by Bill Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include a Bill Bar in your plan. It's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, if not better. It makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it all the time. It has all of the healthy flavors. Um, I should say the healthy nutrients and at the same time, amazing flavors, all of the flavor, none of the guilt, 130 calories in every bar, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And there's a flavor for every taste bud, coconut, almond, peanut butter, brownie, raspberry, cookies, and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, many more. Built Bar is always coming out too with monthly flavors. So make sure you're checking back in on the website. It's built.com and make sure you use the promo code locked 15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you're going to get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Eagles fans, we're wrapping up this final edition of Lockdown Eagles this week, episode 5 of 5. Download it into your phone wherever you get the show and on YouTube as well. We got Senior Bowl week coming up. Cannot wait to start previewing some positions for the NFL draft. We start our draft coverage this week and kind of started it last week with Mock Draft Monday. So make sure you check out that show and all other five shows on our podcast platforms. Today, Gino and I are getting into free agents that the Eagles have in-house and deciding if they should re-sign any of them. Uh, Gino, so far, I mean, again, they've all been on defense and we're not really thrilled with the defensive personnel outside of a few spots, right? Josh Sweat, uh, the defensive tackles were good. Cox, Hargrave, and Williams, um, Avante Maddox. But when it comes to, you know, the other edge rushers, the linebackers, the safeties, 
we're looking for upgrades. So I feel like we both are looking for upgrades in Steven Nelson and definitely in Ryan Kerrigan, Jannard Avery, Anthony Harris. Maybe you bring him back as that second safety again on a cheap deal, but maybe you go cheaper with Rodney McLeod. Who knows what you do there? McLeod also a free agent. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do, but they definitely need to upgrade the personnel on defense and finally invest on that spot this year. And I think they will. Um, Offense is where most of the foundation pieces are in place, right? With a lot of the young, long-term contracts. Um, but at the same time, there are some free agents, and two of them play a spot that the Eagles needed badly this year, and it was at running back, the number one rushing attack in the league. And a lot of that started with these two players. It's Jordan Howard and it's Boston Scott when they changed the philosophy halfway through the year, and it all started with that Detroit Lions game. Jordan Howard, people forget this running game took off when Miles Sanders was hurt. I mean, they were starting the foundation against Vegas, but Sanders got hurt in that first half, and Howard and Scott really took off. You know, Gino, of those two free agents, Sanders and Gainwell are going to be here. Which of those two would you rather bring back? I would go with Boston Scott. I, I think his ability as a pass catcher too. I mean, you could split him out wide if you need to. Jordan Howard, he, he serves a role. I think you could get younger in that role as well. I think in this yeah. running back class, there are a lot of those guys that have that bigger body that you could probably get in day three. If you wanted to wait till the UDFA period, they've had good success with that as well. But right now it's going to be the Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell. And I say Boston Scott show, put the athleticism back there, put yeah. the versatility back there. That's the only thing with Jordan Howard. Yeah, he's a he's kind of a cult hero at this point in Philadelphia, <laughs> yeah. but he only does one thing. He runs between the tackles really well, which is a, a good trait, but I, I just don't see this team with what they want to do fielding for running backs. They never really did it down the stretch. I mean, Kenny Gainwell had a game where he was a healthy scratch. Yeah, that's the so, thing. We need Gainwell to be a bigger part of his offense because mm -hmm. he always produced when he was on the field. And if you bring back both guys, I just don't, every time those two were featured, Gainwell, like you said, was on the bench. So you got to bring back one. And although Howard has the niche role of that big, powerful running back that those other guys are not, at the same time, that's not worth to me keeping him over Scott. I mean, Scott is more reliable health-wise and he was just Boston Scott's always productive when he's out there. He's clutch in big moments. And that's just, that's a really reliable and valuable asset to have as your third running back. And, and I don't want to lose that for Jordan Howard, as you said, just because, you know, he has this certain, you know, uh, I don't know. Yeah. That cult following is, is a good way to put it. And he is powerful, but in the NFL modern day, I mean, Miles Sanders really got way more physical this year. And Kenny, Kenny Gainwell in between the tackles ran really hard. And Boston Scott, too. I mean, he's small, but, you know, they all they, they don't shy away from physicality. And so I don't think it's worth that. And with all the injuries Howard is suffering and the stingers that repeatedly happen, I think it's way more, you know, reliable and safe to bring back Scott. I do too. I'm not saying that they are going to, but yeah. I think it would be very. Indicative. They might bring back neither. Who knows? It, that's what I was just about to say. It might be very indicative if they do draft one, let's say like in Dave uh, round four again, sure. right? Where they got Kenny last year, round four running back should get a little bit of uptick in production here. Wildly enough, one. round five, actually, Gino. Oh, round five. Yeah, I know. Which is With insane. the comp picks, it's it's yeah. so close yeah, in yeah, that yeah. territory because yeah. they add the comp picks to end of round four. It's close to round five, of course. Yeah. Um, but I'm rambling on here. But I look at it, and if you draft a guy in that that role, right? Or let's say even maybe they surprise us and take one in like day two that if one falls or something, right? 
maybe Miles Sanders isn't in those plans for long. Maybe they're willing to go with these three guys and then let Miles go next year and then do the whole process over again. It's going to be one of the most interesting groups it is. in this team to keep an eye on over the next year and a half. Yeah, the Miles Sanders conundrum is really fascinating just based on he's always productive when he's on the field, but he gets hurt a lot. Maybe they try to you know get a team-friendly deal done. Now, if he wants to mm-hmm. wait, though, maybe, yeah, they, they do think we don't want to overpay him next year if he has a great year. If running back is interesting to definitely keep an eye on. Uh, Gino, one final spot here before we wrap up the show. It's more of a, it's a restricted free agent, um, but I do want to talk about Nate Herbig at right guard because, you know, with Brandon Brooks retiring this week, you know, you do have Isaac Sayamalu coming back. Landon Dickerson asserted himself as the guy at left guard, mm-hmm. and he's not going to move out that spot next to Jordan Maialata. You know, you've got the future of Jason Kelsey up in the air. Herbig has played both center and the guard spots. I thought he, the last two years, has really played well when he's out there. And, you know, you have Jack Driscoll, too, and you have depth. But I think you want to keep that depth and and bring Herbig back. He's not going to cost you much, and he's been very reliable the last two years, and you've needed him. So I would love to know I have him and Driscoll back there as role players. I would look at him and he's a fifth or sixth round tender type of guy where you're going to yeah. pay minimal to keep him. But if somebody does want to grab him, you sure. get a fifth or sixth round pick. And he obviously is a player that played an important role for them. Looking at the offensive line, though, you see Brian Baldinger calling Landon Dickerson a baby bulldozer today. He's not going off a left guard, like you said. Yeah. Right guard, maybe Isaac Sayamalu moves there. That could be something that... Or, and who knows, the, if Jason Kelsey retires, you might move Sayamalu to center, and then you might need Herbig or Driscoll to start at mm-hmm. right guard. You know, Who knows? A lot of moving pieces, and that's what's going to be interesting. I don't think Kelsey moves this year. I think he still maybe has one more year with the talk of yeah. how the team is sounding about him, with how he sounded towards the end of the year. He never yeah. really brought up retirement like he did the last couple years. He kind of did that on his own, if you look back on it. Yeah. And I think with the foundation of that left side, you do everything in your power to bring him back and then just stabilize that right guard position. When you're talking about Nate Herbig being a guy to bring back, it's like your 10th offensive lineman. You're in a good state with your offensive yeah. line. I, I want like to continue with that. that. I would continue like to continue that. that luxury. Yeah. So I, I would love to have Herbie back uh, him and Driscoll be, you know, those two guys, you know, with injuries you can rely on because mm-hmm. you have been able to, and that's a great luxury that, a lot of teams do not have. So I would definitely bring back Herbig, uh, as would Gino. That'll do it for today's edition of Locked on Eagles. We'll continue to get into free agency in the next few weeks and start to take a look around the league and what players the Eagles can bring in-house, especially on that defensive side of the football. Make sure you subscribe to Locked on Eagles wherever you get your show, five days a week on all podcast platforms, on YouTube as well, and on Twitter, at Locked on Birds, at DiBiaseLoe, and at GC24 underscore football. We'll see you on Monday for Mock Draft Monday. Until then, thank you so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Gino Camilleri, Louis DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And let's go, Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.